0: Well, we're back at it again a little bit later this week because we wanted to let free agency continue to play out. And whether it's free agency or uh, renegotiated contracts, the Lions are in a much different place now than they were last week, than they were even Monday or Tuesday or shoot this morning, which is Thursday morning, March 23rd. Um, And they have made a couple of moves this morning. One of them is to restructure contract of Hal Vitae, their guard who was injured last year. Apparently it looks like they're hoping that he can come back and play. We'll talk about him in just a minute. Uh, And where we want to get to in this week's episode of Necessary Roughness is how does, what has happened so far in free agency for the Detroit Lions, how is that going to affect how we view and what we expect the Detroit Lions to do in the draft? And I'm going to throw at least one mock draft at TJ to get his take on it. It's a kind of a unique spin but since we talked last week, there's been more uh, help in the secondary and that came in the form of CJ Gardner-Johnson. Cornelius John- Gardner-Johnson signs a one-year $8 million deal uh, to come and play safety and just starting off with that one TJ, your thoughts on uh, CGJ coming to Detroit.
1: Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You yeah, your, Chauncey. Uh, what did I say, Cornelius? You, you yeah. got your Michigan uh, yeah. Lions guys confused. <laughs> Starts with a C. That's what I said. Yeah, I thought, uh, look, he was, after the first uh, wave of free agency there last, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, he seemed to be, you know, the, the best rated available player throughout the weekend. Um, I loved it. I mean, I did. You know, I, 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 I just... I think we all agreed, you know, probably a month ago on what steps they're going to have to take to start building this team to be a competitor. Uh, defensive backfield was probably the number one area of need that I think a lot of us yep. agreed on. Uh, they went out, obviously, last week, signed uh, Mosley and Sutton, on uh, the two outside guys, uh, to come in and help them in the defensive backfield. And look, uh, you know, Chauncey Gardner johnson I mean, he played with Aaron Glenn uh, you know, for Aaron Glenn uh, down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just on the Philadelphia Eagles, who was uh, one of the be- best defenses in all the NFL uh, just this past year. Um Young, I, I like the signing. I mean, a one-year deal. You know, he seemed like a guy that
0: – Prove a deal for guy that didn't really have to prove didn't it. Didn't but- really have
1: to prove it, but, you know, wasn't getting what he felt he deserved on the open market. Uh, which happens to a lot of guys, but uh, look, I, I think he's, he is, he's kind of that Swiss army knife uh, to add to your defensive backfield. Meaning, you know, last year, I think he played a lot of deep free safety uh, for the Eagles prior to that. Uh, he played a little bit of safety down in New Orleans and he actually played uh, in the slot a lot as a, as a, you know, that nickel corner. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we all know in today's NFL you know, it's not just old school two corners, two safeties, line of no, play defense. You're gonna I have, mean, to have
0: five and even at times six defensive backs. At least
1: probably realistically in today's NFL, you're gonna have five defensive backs on the field for probably seventy percent of your plays. Um, so I, I think it was look, I safety we're all we all we all were uh you know very encouraged last year with what we saw with Kirby Joseph, right? His uh, uh his ability to take the ball away, his ability to, uh, you know, hawk down the ball, a couple forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, obviously the interceptions, uh, three of them being off of Aaron Rodgers were certainly impressive. Tracy Walker coming back uh, off of a torn Achilles. There's still some question marks at that safety position. But uh, to me, it was almost, and I know you kind of hinted at it a little bit to start the show, but it's almost a glimpse of what this team is going to do you know, in another month from now when he comes to draft. They've solidified, I think in our minds and I think a lot of people's minds, that defensive backfield, right? you still got some guys coming back. you still got uh, Jerry Jacobs who, you know, last year coming off of injury, still played good football on the outside for you at corner. Will Harris, once he moved to corner, played better uh, than he was at safety. And look, a guy like Jeff Okuda, you add more competition to that defensive backfield room you know, the cream can rise to the top. I don't think we've still seen the best of what Jeff Okuda can be. So if he has a couple proven veteran leaders in that group with him uh, to kind of guide him and bring him up to a level of play that, uh, you know, is, um, good enough, you know, to be a great yeah. player, uh, in the NFL. I think that, you know, it's, it's that competition, having those guys in that room with a lot of youth is going to make everybody better. So I think that, uh, Box one, I think we can check off. I think the defensive backfield has been taken care of over the past week and a half.
0: Yeah, and, and in regards to what that secondary room is going to look like, if you got them all in one room, it's Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, all the new guys, and then Dracy Walker, you mentioned him coming back over the Achilles, uh, Kirby Joseph, Jeff Okuda, Jerry Jacobs, Will Harris, Chase Lucas, uh, and Ifatu Like it's It's gone from one of the worst position groups, not just on the team, but in the NFL. Yeah.
1: Overachievers. To, I mean, right. And you and know
0: to a position where if you can continue to show growth from Kirby Joseph, if you continue if you get a chance to see Tracy Walker come back healthy from that Achilles injury, there's nothing that says he won't, uh, but it's I'm not going to say it's the strength of the team, but it is an area of strength now if they all play to their
1: level of ability. Yeah. And <clears throat> the bottom line is that it's uh, vastly improved, right? Over it's not, it was last year. Yes. it's not, uh, just a little bit improved, right? If they went out and just got cam Sutton, we could say, okay, they're better. You know, still a lot of question marks. I think with the way that Brad Holmes has attacked, uh, the other free agents bringing three of those guys in yeah. makes us feel a lot better knowing that, um, You know, we got some players back there now. We got some guys that can take the ball away. We got some guys that can, uh, you know, hopefully, like we see with Cam Sutton in his Pittsburgh days, you know, locking down receivers. I mean, that's something that we haven't had here in Detroit for, what, three years, four years, ever since Darius Slay left? I mean, it's been a while. So, uh, not. I love seeing the big moves like this to make a big jump, um, hopefully – that they're going to have production-wise. Not a small jump. This seems like it's going to be a big jump for that defense.
0: Uh, it does. And, and when you start thinking about what they did offensively as well, as we, we're we going to eventually get to what this means for the draft, but they bring back Graham Glasgow on a one-year deal. They restructure Hal Vitae uh, this morning in regards to what he brings to uh, this offensive line. Can he be healthy? Is he going to be a guy... Um, that is that can be counted on in this upcoming football season. Your thoughts on, you know, he wasn't here as as of our, our recording last week, but Graham Glasgow, adding him to that O-line room.
1: Yeah, I think, um, look, it's he's a proven vet. I mean, he started a lot of games, whether it be center, whether it be guard. You know, obviously with uh, Evan Brown leaving, going to, I think it was Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know, they were kind of in search for you know, not only a a player, a guy that can play right guard, but a guy that can also be, um, sort of an interior swing type of player and Graham brings all that versatility. Right. And, uh, you know, the other thing you can't really, um, forget is, you know, he was here for what four years Graham was. I mean, he was here through some of the dark times, you know, he knows, uh, the history, you know, that surrounds this team and this franchise and the, you know, the pains and the ups and, um, not many ups, a lot of downs, right? He's been a part of that in the past. Um, I think a big thing for him coming back now is, you know, he wants to be a part of this team finally turning it around a little bit, but I think Graham's a, an awesome player. I think he's a great addition to the locker room. Uh, he's a great addition to that offensive line room. They've already got, you know, some good leaders in there with Frank and uh, with Taylor. I think Jonah's good leader. Um, Graham's, you know, only going to add another uh, layer Uh, To that offensive line room. And look, Vitae, I think with restructuring his deal, I was a bit surprised that, you know, he wasn't a flat out cap casualty, but I think they've structured it in a way where actually the cap number would go down this year um, as opposed to just flat out releasing him. So that tells me, look, I don't think that they're ready to give up on him yet necessarily, but uh, I would expect a day one open competition for that right guard spot between probably Graham and, and Hal Vitae uh, as long as he comes back healthy. I think last year, the concern with Vitae was, you know, anytime you have a, a major, I think it was a back surgery, yeah. you know, that's, especially that's what it was reported. Aid. I don't know if we
0: know that for sure. I don't but. know.
1: No, I know, I know he was, you know, opted, I, he got hurt. And I think that's what they said, you know, that there was some sort of back. I don't know if he had surgery back issue, but Back issues kind of yeah. have always been kind of scary, right? Um, so, I don't think they would have restructured his deal unless they've gotten some positive news, you know, about his health. So, uh, look, another competition to add there, and and may the best man win, and whoever wins that spot, certainly going to be an upgrade over last year because we saw a uh, major rotating door there at right guard for most of the season. I think there were four or five different guys that got good amount of playing time there. So, hopefully, one of those guys can solidify that spot. And really, you know, cross off most of the boxes, at least for what you need on offense.
0: Well, and so here are the details of the Vitae restructure. Um, this year, he's taken a pay cut from $9.4 million to $3 million, And will go to $1.21 million against the cap this year. It frees up $7 million bucks, And then next year, he's going to be due $9.4 million, And that has been changed into a void year. So, <laughs> We basically know what happens after this year. Yeah, this so will be the last time that...
1: One-year uh, prove-it deal, right. Te- really. Prove you can be healthy. Yeah, prove show you can us, contribute. Right. Show us you can be the you know, 2021 Vitae that started most of the games, right?
0: Yeah. And, and so we've seen Romeo and Cuar restructure his contract. We now see how Vitae... Why... This is just a general question. Why would guys restructure their deal to take less money to stay in Detroit?
1: Well, I think when you restructure your deal, you have to be completely honest with yourself. I think there's a lot of players out there that, look, when a team comes to you and says, hey, we, we need you need to take, take a pay less. cut, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, your first instinct is, hell F-U. no, right? Like, yeah. No chance I'm doing that. Um, with that being said, though, you have to take, you have to calculate everything, right? If I turn this down and they release me, you know, what is my market going to look like elsewhere? That's what your agent's for, right? That's what for... Uh, that's what, the you know, the combine, trying to figure out everybody's numbers and where your guy's going to fit. Um, taking a pay cut's obviously never easy. Um, but, you know, I think in these circumstances, you know, with everything that we've heard from these players, uh, whether it be guys that are signed under contract or guys that, you know, were free agents uh, throughout the past couple of weeks is that people want to be here, right? The guys, especially the guys that were in that locker room this past season. They want to be here. They feel something special uh, building. They feel like they're going somewhere, um, you know, big that they want to be a part of that. So when you look at guys like that, you, you have to respect the fact that, uh, you know, maybe some egos were put to the side um, and, you know, ultimately doing, hey, what's best for the team? You know, is if I take a pay cut, but also what might be best for me is staying here as well, knowing that maybe the market on the outside is not going to be uh, as as good as, you know, what your pay cut might uh, entail. So um, always tough when you're a player going through that. Um, But you know what, I think it says a lot about uh, the, the locker room and where the guys think that this team is heading. Yeah.
0: And so when we talk about the addition of Graham Glasgow, Um, We talk about the addition of, you know, all of the secondary guys. When you look at most mock drafts and before free agency started, the conversation about that number six pick was, you know, edge rusher, possibly Jalen Carter with, uh, you know, what, you know, he may drop to the Lions at six. And I want to get your take on him in just a minute. Um, But also, you know, uh, the corner help. Um, you know, that was a discussion, a corner at six, a a defensive lineman at six. And if it wasn't at six, it was at 18, um, where the lions sit right now. How has everything that's gone on in free agency freed the lions up to adjust, or how do you think it affects their draft and and where they might be looking at in the draft?
1: Uh, well, I think there's one spot, I'll just say one group that. I'm just completely zoned in on right now, and that's the front seven, right? I think you feel pretty good about what you have on offense. Uh, I think you feel pretty good now what you have in your secondary defensively. Um, I don't care who's playing corner, who's playing safety. If you can't get to the passer, if you can't rush the passer and disrupt the quarterback and get and get pressures— your all pro corners are going to be very average, very, very fast. Right. So I think that, uh, look, and this is something we talked about a little bit last week too, is I still like to take that approach of, you know, what Philadelphia did, what the 49ers did, uh, you know, what seemed like three, four, five years in a row taking, you know, big guy, big guy, big guy, big guy, big guy, right. Pass rusher, pass rusher. Uh, I still think that's a path that I would love to see from the lions come uh, draft night, Um, whether that's, you know, the first two picks, the first three picks, three out of the first four picks. We need another linebacker. I think that's very clear off the ball type guy. And look, I think you still probably need two more defensive linemen, uh, hopefully with some pass rush ability. Now I know, obviously, look, we were thrilled what we saw last year with James Houston, right? We were thrilled with uh, the development by, you know, the fourth quarter of the season with Aiden Hutchinson starting to make impacts uh, plays in every single game, right? Um, My mind, you know, they're not easy to find, but interior pass rusher guys are, is a major, major need, I think for this team. Mm -hmm. And look, whether that's, you know, a lot of talk about Jalen Carter, right? In the month that he's had and, you know, (laughs) nothing to write home about. I mean, it's been pretty brutal for that guy. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody, you know, go down that slippery slope in a couple weeks, but whether it's him at six. Well, Learn come, well, yeah. <laughs> Not really his fault, though. I mean, that guy, you know, that was just he issue. put the mass, mean, yeah, mask on. I mean, look, hey, it took the bong bay. Hey, hey, a lot of that's illegal now. Okay, I'm not gonna judge you <laughs> for that. Um, but you know So let's I, let's go
0: there real quick because Jalen Carter, obviously, we know that he was um, charged with racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that racing, he, he wasn't charged with negligence regarding the death of his former teammate and a recruiting, um, you know, personnel individual from Georgia, but there are two people that did die in yeah. that situation. Um, he had to leave the combine, go and, you know, um, you know, uh, address the situation, came back to the combine, didn't work out at the combine. And then about nine days later, nine ten days later, Georgia has their, pro day he shows up nine pounds heavier but appears to be gassed going through some of the drills your would you like knowing what you know now and it it it, trust me we all have limited knowledge of the individual and the circumstances around the racing but also just around Jalen carter knowing what you know now if he's available at six would
1: you take him He's. Old. I mean, I'm 50-50, to be honest with you, I, and this is going to sound probably, <laughs> this isn't going to sound good, but after everything that came out around the combine, right, when it came out that, you know, he was driving and potentially racing, allegedly racing with the teammate and with the people that ended up getting you in an accident uh, and dying, after that, I kind of took a pause, and I'm like, okay, that's obviously not a bright decision, right, that's really stupid, um, that's something that so it's awful. I mean, because you know people died as a result of that. Yep. Now, how much liability was on his hands? I don't know. I mean, he wasn't driving the actual car that you know got into the accident, but what he was doing was wrong. With that being said, if that was the only story that has come out, <clears throat> even after that, I was like, I would still take him. It's. I mean, we've all made some to, bad
0: decisions. Maybe trying, not
1: that had circumstances or consequences like that. We've all sped, right? We've all done some silly things. We've all, and- At 21 years old, did you make great decisions? No, but I'm not trying to make, you know, excuses for the kid. I mean, I think it was the night after the parade celebration. And, you know, these guys are on cloud nine. These guys are feeling as invincible as they ever will, probably for the rest of their lives. They Mm -hmm. made bad decisions, right? And it ultimately cost two people their lives. And that's a tragedy. Uh, With that being said, you know, I, I felt like there was- Enough resolve there to say, okay, this is something that hopefully, you know, he can prove, hey, it, I, you know, it wasn't drinking, wasn't doing anything, just I was speeding, right? I was doing something stupid with a teammate, which is a mistake, John. I think we both agree with that. Yeah. Is it a grave mistake where this guy should never play in the NFL? No, that's, that's how I felt about it. And at the time, I was like, you know what? I would still take the guy at six because he's an unbelievable football player. Um, when everything came out about the pro day, I was like, you know what? We're starting to see a pattern, right? We're starting to see a pattern. How do you put on nine pounds in like I mean, I know I could probably do it, but well, if you're a well, kid getting ready for the combine or the draft right. or pro day, like you it, but like a week and a half, you've get your you've gotten yourself so out of shape by putting on weight, by not being able to finish any drills at your pro day. I mean, this time this time period, if you're a 21 year old kid getting ready for the NFL. You literally have to sit down for probably two or three months and say, you know what? I'm going to lock it down, right? I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to eat right. I'm not going to go out and do dumb. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go out and party. I'm not going to go out and drink. I just need two months of my time to lock it down and to show these teams that I'm worthy of being a top five pick. Right. And I think that we've started to see a little bit of pattern, which for me is concerning a little bit. Now yeah. we don't know much about Jalen Carter's character, Right? We don't know much about I don't know anything how about his it. coaches yeah. think about him, how his teammates think about him, how he works out in the weight room, what he does at practice. We don't know that. All we know is we see the film. We see a disruptive football player. On the flip side, we see a guy that probably is very immature based off of what we've learned about him in the, over the past couple months. That just gives me a little bit of concern because – you, you just see the way that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell want to build this team, and they've done it the right the last couple of years, right? High-character guys, guys that come in, chip on their shoulder, want to work hard, want to bust their ass, want to be the best at what they do. You've got the right style of guys. Now, I'm also – on the other side, you not all choir boys. You can't in have a, a bunch room. of choir boys. You got to have some dogs. We both played with some dudes. I played with some guys that I wouldn't let know, in my house. I wouldn't let around my family. <laughs> they're pretty scary, but you they're know. Pretty didn't want to be players. in the same car with them at times. <laughs> but you know what? I wanted those dudes on my team because yeah. I knew on Sundays that dude was going to be on my side, and that dude was going to make the other team's life a living hell. So there's still some questions, and we've got a month before we get to this. But as yeah. of right now, just I know I took the long winded way of answering your question at 6 I'm probably leaning 51 49 51 as yes I would still take him because that you just can't deny the product that the you field? see on tape right the 49 that tells me though so is this I- in a year from now you know if this guy we take this guy and he turns out to be a major bust and an immature yeah. you know jackass we're going to be sitting here saying, "Well, the warning signs, the signs were on the wall, right? We all knew about the issues that. Yeah, we took a chance on him, right? Those are always the concerns that you have,
0: and, and we've heard Dan Campbell talk about no turds, right? You don't want any yeah. turds in the locker room, yeah. And it's so. Having said everything you mentioned about hey, hardworking guys, high character guys in that locker room, they've built it up over two years to have a bunch of those guys. Is it time to? take a chance on a guy like a Jalen Carter if he does have some character issues, if if he is very immature, have you put together the right locker room to put him in there and say, you know, in some other locker rooms, this goes south. But in this locker room with Anzalone, with Goff, with Hutch, with a lot of the high character guys that you're talking about, they can help this individual be a huge part of the Detroit Lions is the locker room of, of of a culture where you could put a guy in there like this and does that does that also play a factor into maybe we could take a chance on this guy because we're putting him into the best situation he could possibly have in the NFL
1: in the locker room maybe uh, yeah i think you've got some good leaders that you know can help young guys out but Where a guy like Jalen Carter would be spending 90% of his time in the defensive line room. Um, You know, maybe if you still had a guy like Michael Brockers around that was very valued for his leadership and a, you know, 11 year pro, a guy that knew how to do things the right way, uh, I would certainly say, yeah, I think you can take a guy like that, put a young player under his wings, kind of show him the ropes a little bit. But who in that defensive line room, you know, has any sort of, you know, veteran stature or that we hear incredible leadership about. I mean, I know, Hey, look, Hutch is certainly got great qualities. He's in his second year, right? I don't, I don't think that you can just going through kind of the totem pole, John, and you remember being in the NFL locker room. You didn't really look to, but it's a young team all around. There's not
0: a lot of, lot of, and I get that.
1: Look, that's where, that's where I get a little bit of pause. You know, I look at a guy like Jalen Carter that seems to have some issues and, he would probably be that type of player where, you know, if he ended up in a locker room like or a defensive line room like Philly, right? With Fletcher Cox and with Brandon Graham and with some 10, 12 year vets, guys that know how to get done that do it the right way. Yeah. He would, pro- I'm just telling you, he would be a lot better player, right? At least first, at least right sure. away. Um, this def- and I'm not trying to bash any leadership here in the defensive no, line. No, no, but it's just a lot of youth, right? I don't think you, you and have- I have
0: both been rookies. We've yeah. been second year guys and we've also been 10 year vets. Yes, and a ten-year vet is going to be looked at completely differently. Even if Hutch has all of the great leadership qualities that he displayed at Michigan, that we we think he showed as a rookie, he's still a second-year guy. Right. And in the NFL, yeah. there is—you mentioned the totem pole. There is uh, there is value in that that you you build up that that cachet, and he just hasn't had the time to do that.
1: Right. Yeah, and that's where probably somewhere in that 49% of pause that I have about Jalen Carter is the fact that he's going to be surrounded by a lot of other youth, you know, second, third-year players in that defensive line room, not somebody – they're not going to have anybody that I feel like can put their arm around him every single day in the meeting room, at practice, show Mm -hmm. them how to get things done um, that, you know, some other teams are going to be able to offer him.
0: So I'm going to give you a scenario. The uh, Arizona Cardinals take – will john or will anderson and the seattle seahawks who draft at five um they're comfortable with geno smith i think they take a quarterback but let's just say they take jalen carter at five so will anderson jalen carter are off the board Mm -hmm. uh cj stroud's off the board um bryce young is off the board and let's just throw in another quarterback Uh, anthony richardson seems to be the the hot topic right now uh and and we could talk about more about him and where these quarterbacks go after some of these pro days. What well, maybe we'll, we'll throw that in next week, but let's just say he's off the board. So you got Will Levis and everybody else that is on the, you know, and the lions are on the clock at six, knowing what we just talked about, that they've gone out and signed some secondary help. They've gone out and brought in Graham Glasgow. Vitae is going to be back. Where do you go with that number six pick?
1: I'm going to give you a guy that I think is going to shoot up boards and I'm going to give you a guy that I think the Lions are going to be very fascinated with. It's a guy that, look, a couple of weeks ago, I was starting to get a little annoyed because at the Combine, he was being compared to an all-pro player, a Hall of Fame talent, a once-in-a-generational type of guy. Um, and that's Kalijah Kansi, the kid from the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. At six? Look, I'm not telling you, hey, I know I'm surprising you right now, John. I'm making a bold prediction. I'm saying I... I can see this guy in the next couple of weeks start to shoot up draft boards, right? Because Jalen Carter, what's, what's what's the trend with him right now? It's going down, right? Kalijah Cansey, he's probably that next defensive tackle uh, name that people have on the big board, right? Probably Jalen Carter, Kalijah Cansey. Look, Carter keeps falling, cancy can keep rising. And look, hey, where did Brad Holmes come from? He came from the Rams, right? Oh, you're going to co- give
0: me the Aaron Donald I, comparison. Th- he's I'm not, not giving, Aaron
1: Donald. I, I never said that. You're going John. there. Where I did said, it well, okay. I said I got annoyed I apologize. a couple of weeks Let me did l- you not let you hear anything I I'll just let you said? finish no, I I said I was annoyed a couple not. weeks ago at the combine because people were comparing him to Aaron Donald. Okay. Oh, he's from Please. Pitt. Finish. Oh, he's a small Please guy. Yes. Yeah, oh, Brad Holmes came from LA. But this is what I'm telling you that I feel in my heart. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions Fall in love with a guy like that because yeah. they Brad Holmes saw it firsthand. He saw the fact that they took a small defensive tackle, yeah. a guy that everybody said, "Oh, he can't too do small. it." Right? He can't play defensive tackle. I'm not saying Kalijah Cansey is Aaron Donald. I'm not <laughs> saying he compares to Aaron Donald. What makes Aaron Donald Aaron Donald is his work ethic, right? Yeah, the fact that this guy's an absolute animal spends probably 12 hours a day in the gym, and you know he's just a freak. Yeah, right? too small. Nobody's going to be compared to Aaron Donald, right? That's just not fair, but.
0: I'm just telling
1: you when I I think that this is just a prediction of mine and you can look at probably in a month from now look back and say you're an idiot what are you thinking I don't know if I would take him at six John that's probably a little bit high but I wouldn't be surprised if he does start to rise up boards right now I mean you can find him anywhere in these mock drafts from I saw him going as early as 13 to as late as probably 25. Yeah. But I think he cemented himself at Is least first as a rounder. mid first round yeah. guy. And every single year we see guys, John. Oh, this guy was projected, you know, to go 22. Wow, he we just went in the, you know, top eight. Oh my God. Nolan Smith, another guy from Georgia, could be that same type of player, right? I think a month ago everybody's thinking. Hey, you know, maybe late first round, we can get this guy. Now it's like, I've seen one you know, mock drafts. Hey, somebody taking him at eight. Yeah, It's like, holy, you just don't know what's going to happen. And look, there's so much time between now and the draft where these teams are going to start having, you know, these players come in for interviews and workouts and, uh, you know, all this preparation where they get to talk. Things are going to start leaking. Hey, something's going to get thrown out there that, you know, whoever's picking at eight, I don't know, the Falcons, whoever it is, wow, they're falling in love with this guy. That's going to make every other team start to probably rethink their board a little bit too and maybe move a couple guys up that they thought they could get later on. I just think Kansi and I think a guy like Nolan Smith are going to be two guys that we see in the next month that are going to rapidly rise up draft boards because this is what teams look for. Teams look for guys that can rush the passer, right? Kalijah Kansi, I know he's small. I know he's, you know, 6'1", 280. Uh, He's going to have to be utilized the right way in the NFL for him to succeed. Um, But he you watch the skills that he had in college. I mean, he can brush the passer. He can get in the backfield. He can do a lot from the inside. A guy like that, that I'm sitting here looking at, like I said, John, I don't know if I'm ready to say I take him at number six, but he's a guy that I think would fit this team and fit, what the probably the biggest need they have now since they address the secondary?
0: Yeah, and I mean, if he's there at eighteen, I'm fine with that. I think six might be a little bit high. Um, I don't think he's going to be there at eighteen. He, he might not be. Know. So okay, if he's not there at eighteen, let me give you this scenario. And this this one came out last night. I think it's interesting because this one came from CBS and it involves a trade. Now the the Lions who pick at six trade with the Washington Commanders. And the Commanders move up from 16 to 6. And in return, the Lions get, obviously, that number 16 pick. So they'll pick 16 and 18 this year. They get a third-round pick in 97, and they get the Commanders' first-round pick next year.
1: To drop 10 spots? Yeah, I would do that. Okay, so you do the trade? I would because I – I would, look, you're Look, getting, you're, getting, you're, getting, you're dropping back 10 spots. Yeah, you're still going to get a good player there, but you're picking up a first next year. Uh, I don't think I'm going on a limb by saying – I don't think Washington. No disrespect to your alma mater. Oh no, they're not going. They're going to be. They're going to be, gonna be garbage this year. <laughs> next
0: year. So I agree.
1: That's going to be a top ten pick. I think there's a high chance that could be another top ten pick. And look, I think if you do that, then the theory that I shot at you last week or a couple weeks ago, with them potentially moving up some point, I think you could package you know eighteen in a second to go move up to you know twelve. Right yeah. now you're picking 12, twelve, sixteen. <laughs> now you got, right, I so I think there's a lot of possibilities. But if that trade was available, I would absolutely take
0: it. I would do. And and so in in this mock, they took Quinton Johnson at sixteen. They took Bijan Robinson at eighteen. Um, and and I don't really care about that. I, I don't. They took who? They took Quinton Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU, at sixteen. And who at eighteen? Um, at eighteen, they took B. John Robinson. Uh, running oh, back from have
1: an issue with
0: that. Well, so no uh, okay, yes, players. yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I, Ooh, I, I like uh, the trade, I don't like but, what with it, though. but
0: <laughs> in that, if, if, if you love Kalijah Kansi, I'm starting to he's starting to rise up my board as well. He's taken at 17 by Pittsburgh, so at 16, you could get Kalijah Kansi, yeah, with this trade. And if you package 18 and a second and you move up to 12. Maybe you take him there. You take another, you know, and maybe a corner at 16. I think this would provide a lot of opportunity and maximum. You, you love having two first-round picks this year. Yeah, you back up to six, but there's a clear drop after five. If Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, and depending on where you believe Jalen Carter is, if he's draftable or if he's not for you at six, you drop down to 16. Yes, you're going out of the top 10, but you get two first-round picks this year. You have two first-round picks next year. You still have that draft capital of two seconds this year to be able to move up into that 11-12 range. And if you're at 16, on the draft trade value chart, that's a $1,000 value. And if you want to get up to, say, 12 where Houston's at, 11 where Tennessee's at, you only got to come up with 350 more points. And guess what? Second round their 50, pick. 55, their second, second yeah. round pick is worth 350 points. So you could package that number 18 yeah. or 16 and move up. A, a few more spots to be able to take Cancy and still have your 16 or 18 available, and you might be able to parlay. And you get two
1: first round picks next year. Yeah, you might be able to parlay Washington's first next year into a uh, Caleb Williams or a uh, Drake May type. of Exactly, Kay, which is Drake, Drake May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of North, North Carolina. Carolina. I would take that trade in a heartbeat. I mean, I know that. Look, we all get uh, enamored with you know picking in the top ten, right? Picking number six. Hey, uh, we're going to get one of the best six players, right? If you move down to 16, everybody's Oh man, we're not maybe not going to get as good of a player, but uh, I would do that trade in a heartbeat because first round picks we know that's gold in the NFL. Oh, that's a modern version of gold, man. That's that's the biggest diamond you can have is first round pick. So, um, I would not hate that trade at all. Uh, I would probably not like the picks that this well, yeah, that this might be those with those (laughs) traded picks. I agree Uh, with that being said, though, I think. I think they're going to be in a good spot either way. Look, and this Jalen Carter talk is certainly fascinating. Um, We obviously are still a little bit more than four weeks away from the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, Who knows what's going to happen from here to then. I mean, I hope, you know, part of me, that 51% John still hopes that, you know, he's able to clean this act up a little bit in the next three to four weeks. And if he does slide to six, he can come in and be a, Uh, you know, all pro-type guy on the interior for us. But either way, there's going to be a ton of talent in this draft. And look, Brad Holmes is giving us plenty of reason to put our full trust in him, to go out there and get guys that can help you day one, right? We saw it last year. Six out of the seven defensive players, didn't matter what round they were picked, came in and played big-time football for you. So I think we – look, maybe it's not fair to expect that to happen every single year, but he certainly has deserved, um, you know, our trust in letting him just do his job and go find the right players
0: well as we continue to inch closer to the draft it still feels like it's a long ways away it is about a month away Um, we're going to talk in the coming weeks about some other opportunities the lions may have and and as they make moves we'll adjust uh but we're going to talk some some of the prospects on the offensive line more prospects defensive line what they might do in the second and third rounds Um, So stay tuned for all your offseason Detroit Lions information right here with Lang and Jansen on Necessary Roughness.